and a very good morning to you. Welcome into today's programme. We're looking now at the haulage sector because yesterday there was news of an 18 million euro support scheme being proposed for haulage businesses. Uh, so the haulage sector is to receive this 18 million euro in financial support over the next few weeks. The Taoiseach of Radker said that the sector is vital to the economy, helping us to get the goods that we need to help to get our exports out to the market. And speaking on his way into Cabinet yesterday, he said that haulage sector is facing increased energy costs, like all businesses, and this is a further intervention to help them. Now, I'm de- delighted to say we're joined now on the programme by the President of the Irish Road Haulage Association, Eugene Drennan. Eugene, a very good morning to you. Very good morning to you, John. Eugene, give us your reaction to this announcement yesterday. I know I was talking to some uh, haulage uh, business people in Galway yesterday. It kind of caught them by surprise, but yourselves there in the Irish Road Haulage Association, were you surprised by this announcement? You know, we we would have negotiated this uh, all through the end of last year. And I have to give credit to a Galway woman. Uh, would have worked closely with her, and that's the Minister Hildegard Nocton. And... Uh, great creditor uh, in that she was willing to work with us. Uh, you know, our sector isn't that well known amongst, uh, except the people who work in it. It, it just happens there seamlessly. And she worked closely with us. We had to prove our credentials and the reasons why we would need a bit of a help. And uh, she was willing to take it on board and she advanced the project very well before she went on to be uh, uh, Chief FIP. And then Jack Chambers took it up and we got it over the line. So, yeah, we were in the middle of, of the negotiation. Mm. Now, according to the research conducted by the Department of Transport for the last six months, as, you, as you've outlined there, the fuel prices for operators continued to be just under €300 Euro per vehicle, more expensive per week than in 2021. That's a huge increase. Massive. And the this measure will be taken in conjunction with the other measure that like all, all the rest of the people in the country are, are gaining from, and that is the reduction of the 15 cents an excise, which is in fact 12 cents plus fat. Now, we would have advanced that with the then Minister for Finance, Pastor Jonu, back about two years ago, or a year and a half ago, or something like that. And we're delighted to see that is left in place for now, and we would hope it would continue. That's the one that helps us with the fuel. And if that was to go, it would see an overnight increase of 4 to 5% on costs, on transport costs through surcharge, whereas this current fund is really for increases of, um, you know, there are sections within our sector that are, are really troubled, really in, in, in a bit of bother uh, for work and for trying to keep going. And then we have the ongoing fallout from Brexit. It hasn't gone away. It's very costly. So this uh, this fund is more to the general increases that everybody has seen, but we've seen in, in very large percentage of figures. And the fuel helps us, the other, the other um, reduction of excess helps us with fuel. And that's very necessary to keep us, it's, it's the fullness of the package really that helps us to keep just ticking over for now. I think great credit must go to Minister Hildegard Nocton because it really does seem like this uh, license haulage support scheme, it's been done right. It's been done on a graduated payment basis. And just to go into the nuts and bolts of it, the payments per vehicle be calculated based on €1,200 for the first five vehicles on a license, €700 for vehicles 6 to 20 and €200 for each vehicle thereafter. And approximately 74% of licensed Hodge operators have five or less vehicles. So it really will help the small guy. That's correct. And the credit is due. Now, this is the second uh, of two payments we got under the Hatch scheme. The first was in the thick of the war, and it was given out 
quite differently and was really an emergency needed. So this was graduated and fine-tuned because we learned a lot from the first one and we tried to earmark who was in the most trouble and she was very good, yeah, as I said, worked closely with us and indeed we've had quite a number of meetings in the Department of Transport. The door was, was to negotiation was left wide open for us and though in the round of subsidies it's not massive to the state but it is a big help to us and the approach taken up step by step and, and when the budget was announced last year we were very disillusioned and we weren't a little bit more inclusive and we worked on this afterwards and uh, really to bring us through to the spring as the budget and all the subsidies and all the helps were and see where the war was going, see where the costs were going, how were we doing and that has worked well I have to admit though we would like to see more though we have other issues and arguments going on credit for credit is due and as long as the excise is there for a while more just to see how the the um, war and the attacks and the battles of the spring and what will they reflect on oil prices plus the shutting down of the Russian Isle on the 5th of February and how tight that is going. Now our supply chain is holding well, no panic. It's coming in from the Gulf somewhere or from Iraq and um, that is holding up well. But just in case uh, another turn will come and there's some hiccup in supply or costs or uh, some other issue in the world, you know, the earthquakes the other day, God help those poor people, but those earthquakes shot high up four cents to five cents in, in, within an hour. So just to take a step-by-step step that we will all collectively get over and that the audience will be able to keep up the supply chain, it's very, very necessary mm. to an island nation. Yeah. Then payments per vehicle uh, calculated based on the, the €1,200, Euro, €700 Euro, and €200 Euro for each vehicle. Is that per week or what time scale is that? No, it's a one-off payment. Okay. It should be uh, with us by sort of the third week of March. We should mm. have it out and got there. And uh, it's, as I said, it's badly needed. I'm sure people may have noticed very slow pickup in business since Christmas. If you see the volume of trucks, they're not on the road. Um, one big one that's around Galway that would be missed is the harvesting of timber. You know, yeah. the market for timber is fairly shot. Um, England, though not officially, is more or less in a recession. It was a big uh, market um, spot for this for that for our timbers mm-hmm. and a uh, lot of love you know with war comes trouble and and it reveals itself as you go along and in different ways you know mm-hmm. so as i said step by step and see how we go so i'm just trying to work this out uh, so the <laughs> loss the losses from 2021 uh, just under 300 euro per vehicle uh, per week yes. more expensive and then you're getting a one-off payment of 1200 euro that doesn't add up it's really cutting costs here isn't it yeah, but you're focusing on the fuel, where this okay. is for this particular one is for general costs. The fuel one is, is in the 15 cents, yeah. the 12 plus, plus for that. That's where the help is there. And mm. fuel has now come to a little bit more balanced. But if it was to get an, a hit of 12 cents or 15 cents at the pump, it would put it right back up there. And for us and for the general public, like when we're just drawing our breath a little bit from the very high prices of last year, that would be step to assume by government. I hope they leave that there for really up to the next budget at least. Have you been talking to your grassroots members on this? I know there's two uh, based out of Galway and I was speaking to um, some of the people from their companies there yesterday. Are people on the ground content with this or happy with this or what's the, the level of, of uh, contentment with this scheme? 
Ah, the delights of me getting something. Content, that is another word. <laughs> it's like it doesn't come through too often. But, uh, you know, as I say, if we feel that there is room or needed, very badly needed, we can go back to government. The door is open. But it's not easy got to don't hand it out just to ring up and say, I'm badly stuck. It just doesn't work that simply. And um, as regards knowing whether it was coming or not, like we put out a newsletter twice a week, perhaps, and people don't. There's a lot comes in the newsletter with international news and different road talks and that. They may not have picked up on it. But for the mass, vast majority of our members know that this is in the pipeline since just before Christmas just the days before Christmas. So maybe they didn't pick up on the Christmas round, you know? And, uh, but it's, it's a process, and now it has, this is in the cabinet this week. It's, it will be signed off, and it is a definite, and um, all, all, all things plus small help. There is uh, a lot of pressure in the sector at the moment. I know there's a huge demand for, for drivers of, of big Arctic vehicles, but there's a lack of supply. There is a lack of supply. It's a very big issue worldwide, not just European-wide, but worldwide. And in Europe, it's chronic. Um, you know, a vast number of the Ukrainian people went back to fight the war, the drivers. And that, that changed the whole pool of drivers and getting them. And then we've been trying to get, um, you know, other, other nationalities and to have agreements with them. And through the licensing system, the, the driver's licensing system, the actual permits, have freed up. You can get people in on permit, but to have them at the right standard and the right training and acceptable for here. And to that end, you know, the Irish Road College is touching about on a, a traineeship in about eight of the ETBs in Ireland. It's a slow process. There's only a certain number coming through. As everybody in the country knows, like the young people, no matter what grade they're at or what qualification, faraway hills are green at the moment. And we've such a drift of our young people uh, out of all businesses and all industries. And then we have we have extended or getting the EU to extend uh, the acceptance of people who are in the ECMT countries. They are in the surrounding countries of Europe, like Moldova and um, uh, Belarus, and not really fully suitable, but will have some bearing on the issue, and then to widen the countries and accept the license of some other countries. And we have suggested uh, about three uh, Philippines have proven very well and have quite a supply of people uh, all over the world, and that's about to, the process about to kick off there, uh, India, and in particular Argentina. Now, Argentina would be troublesome for us because of language, and coming so far away, but quite a number of them are our own people coming home uh, from the flight of the Arab time of the 1700s, but they're McNamara's and O'Sullivan's and whoever. Um, so we, we included it because they had asked and because of the historical issues. And there is a supply of, of drive, good drivers there, but it's a slow process and it's a big problem. Uh, the spring big meeting of um, transport for Europe is in March, and one of the mm a half a day is set aside to the problem of shortage of drivers and the license system and the rules around uh, driving times, uh, how they can change it and perhaps improve yeah. there. But it definitely has to be addressed. You're right, John. And what would you like to see done on, on the whole timing of drivers? Is in the tachograph, isn't that the, am I correct in saying that? that is, yeah, that is, that is the rule or the control mechanism. And during COVID and in some of the... Um, 
weather problems we've had the last years of storm and very bad issues, we have been able to get derogations, and particularly through COVID, uh, because of all the problems of COVID, people are aware of. There were flexibilities found, and there were um, some um, extra times allowed, and there was no disasters. It didn't cause any problem on the road. The the driving times originally were driven by employment law and union, particularly the French unions, as much as they were by road safety. And they're a little bit too tight. And there is a move in, um, in Europe now because of the drivers, for coach drivers, that Europe is ready to allow extra time for coach drivers. So if the man driving the people can have um, more liberated hours and a little bit extra. Surely the man carrying the bag and carrying the freight isn't a human being should be able to drive similar hours. So that we're going on that take. Plus, uh, I have moved, I've started an initiative in Europe last year of an island nation status. And in that, we've joined with Malta and Cyprus because the problems of islands, though known, Europe isn't aware of it really, not the nuts and bolts of how it is with the limited time schedule of ferries and the limited number of ferries in some instances of trying to get goods to and from an island and to get flexibility for a return journey. So there's a few initiatives going on there, but again, you know, it's a slow burn, it's difficult to get them forwarded. I know. And Brexit, of course, has, has caused uh, additional problems with that. And I know they're trying to yeah. really streamline and open up that corridor with France directly to Ireland. Yeah. Well, I have, I have moved to three initiatives there, which are tough going now, where we'll see a result. Both on the Brexit side, Brexit first, I suppose, John, if I may approach that first. I have written to everyone, anybody, commissioners and uh, foreign ministers and prime ministers and Taoiseachs, there is a move on to give an easement of um, in and out of goods in and out of the north of Ireland. Now, I and the road haulers and haulage people, if that has to be for Ireland or for the saving the Good Friday Agreement, no issue, no problem. But we need the same easement in the south because we have particularly foodstuffs and quite a lot of goods going from Middle England, anywhere in Middle England, up by Stranraer and into Belfast and down to Galway. It is crazy, and the cost is madness. Or if we're coming through our own ports, the checks and balances that are required under the Customs Union of Europe, though that is the law, it is the product we have used for five or 600 years. And the easement should be for anything that's from the EU, the EU or the UK are a composite of both. There should be a bilateral with Ireland as long as we are willing to accept the product and the goods and bona fide, and that we do not repopulate it into the main European market, the easement should apply here as well. Because the hold-up of ports, the hold-up of declarations, the hold-up in the IT is constant. The, any housewife or any house husband in Gaul would say, some extra money is part of the cost increase and part of the inflationary um, you know, measure the cost of inflation because of the, unless, well, I would consider unnecessary burden on a lot of goods because we've used the goods for so long and that cost has no productivity attached to it. It's just because of, of bureaucracy and mm. checks uh, to see what it is. So that is, you know, that in itself is, a, is an inflationary multiplier. 
Mm. And we should have these them down here. On the European side, and try and get initiative on the European side, we would have very rigorous and um, strict rules on the posting of drivers on what's called cabotage. Now, cabotage is that you're allowed limited movement of internal goods in any country. You can pick a load from Bordeaux to Lyon and another one maybe up to Paris, and then you have to leave the country. But if you drop that trailer at a port that is direct shipping to Ireland and pick an Irish load at that port that has come from Ireland, Irish contractor picking up that load, you can't do that load because you've already had your two movements within the country and they deem the one you'll pick up in the port as being French because it was dropped in that port. So it is too tight for island nations to try and uh, have an efficient movement. We are no threat to the internal of that country as regards haulage. It is purely Irish goods we're dealing with. But that is the rule. So that yeah. costs the, the state here and the um, exporters a lot of money that we don't have that flexibility. So we're fighting that case, and it's a very slow, tough case. Mm. The French, though they helped us politically, very much so, and very much for us, and around their business or their country, you just don't get anything there um, on, the, on how we do the nuts and bolts of every day of coming and going. It's very restricted in France. So we're hoping to get movement there because though, before Brexit, we had six direct sailings a week to the mainland of Europe, the continental shelf of Europe. Yeah. We now have, as of last week, 28. It's been a massive turnaround in how we do our business. And we in the hard sector, in particular the Irish Road Hardwich Association, the first ones of those ships that were coming, we guaranteed we would give um, our, our business to it to get it up and running. And it just showed the way on how, how trade has changed and how we needed it. And we needed it for the surety of the supply line, for the dedication of time, because our newer uh, companies and factories, whether they're life science or medical or pharma or IT, they, are, they want dedicated times and surety of service, and this is the way we could do it. But it costs a lot, John. Yeah. Very big cost of it. Well, hopefully common sense prevails on that. Uh, just to finish no, up, and I, I don't want to... <laughs> <laughs> just to finish up, and I don't want to oversimplify it, but going back to the uh, lack of supply of drivers, considering that there's yes. huge demand and a lack of supply, can drivers mm -hmm. get a very good wage? And does that put extra pressure on the flip side of haulage businesses that they have to give that extra money for wages for, for drivers? Yes, for sure, but... Uh, drivers are on pretty good money now and some are on very good money. We are somewhere between third and fifth place in Europe in, in what we pay drivers. Oh. So the, we were, they weren't well paid before, you know, they were only averagely paid to poor. But that has changed and the market is lack of supply. And you can't change lack of supply with money, you know, you have to have the people as well and the money. It's a balance. So, and it does put pressure because um, big resistance here to increase of, of, of the basic costs. And that's where the money from government will help a little bit when we try and move on. We have brought in a surcharge against companies uh, for the fuel related to the fuel. Yeah. But on the general costs, a big uh, fight back from some sectors, particularly quite a lot around the co-ops and farming and that, um, it has eased a little bit last year, but they, they resisted increase for a long time and pro-rat, you know, weren't paying the due rate, uh, I would consider. And um, also some of the big PLCs, uh, 
some of whom are in the Galway area, they held fairly tough on not having any extra uh, for the basic the basic increases, whereas yeah. they had to accept fuel right in, you know, it was staring in the face. The other increase, they've been very slow to give pro rata to what we need. So it does put pressure on hauliers. Uh, we're very loyal to the work. Most people started up because of, of a work in their area, whether it's forestry or concrete product or quarrying product or building product, or now the, you know, God is, is striving with good IT and, and technical um, different type of factories. And around the Galway area, people are very liable to get some work to try and stay doing the work at all cases. But you must get your remuneration to somewhere to the fair play. And that, that you know, when you're up against a barrage of accountants from a PLC, very well trained, and you're a man with set over 75% of his one to five trucks, and you're trying to get a few bob extra, you're trying to hold on to your work, you're trying to hold on to your driver, mm. and you're trying to balance all that. It is tough going. Yeah. Very tough going. Yeah, I, I could keep talking to you forever, Eugene, but I think we'll have to leave it there on this one. Uh, thanks for joining yeah. us on the programme. That's Eugene Drennan. He's the president of the Irish Road Haulage Association. If you want to get in contact with the programme, you can on 086 3833 That's brought to you by Rational Windows, bringing together daylight, beauty and warmth to truly amplify your happy fo- home. You can also get in contact with the programme, comments at goibfm.ie. That's our email number. And you can also phone Siobhan at reception on 091 Coming up after the break, we'll be looking at International Childhood Cancer Day. Don't go anywhere. Galway Talks, in association with Tesco. Find our award-winning Irish ranges in store and online at tesco.ie. A very good morning to you. You're very welcome back into today's programme. Now, today is International Childhood Cancer Day, the 15th of February. And National Children's Cancer Charity, Childhood Cancer Ireland, has announced a new series of workshops to help Galway parents overcome the trauma of a childhood cancer diagnosis. And I'm joined by their CEO, Laura Cullinan. Laura, a very good morning to you. Good morning. Laura, you might just talk to us, uh, though, about International Childhood Cancer Day, firstly. A day, I suppose, to of great significance to anyone across the region who has dealt with childhood cancer in their lives personally. It is indeed. Um, childhood Cancer International Day is, is a, a global programme uh, run by Childhood Cancer International to create awareness of childhood cancer in our communities. Um, for families affected by childhood cancer, it can be exceptionally isolating. Um, so this is where they get a chance to, to talk with other families, um, share their experiences, but also educate the wider community of what it is like to have a child that has had a cancer diagnosis, um, you know, whether whether that child has is currently in treatment, has come out of treatment or has been lost to childhood cancer. It gives them the opportunity to actually shine a light for our kids, send a message of hope, but also remember our children that have not made it past treatment. It is a devastating blow for any parent to get in their lives, but I suppose important for organisations like yourself to show that there are supports there for people. There, there is a number of supports there. Um, childhood cancer in Ireland has has changed drastically over the last ten years. Um, so, I'm a parent of a, of a survivor myself, and seven, eight years ago, when she was originally diagnosed, we didn't really talk about 
cancer in Ireland. The children were affected by cancer in Ireland. We spoke about adults having cancer. And I'm ashamed to say I never actually thought about children having cancer when before my own child was, was diagnosed. So the supports have, have been coming over the last number of years. I, again, we need more supports, um, but recently we conducted surveys and, were, and um, focus groups with, with families in treatment, out of treatment for a long period of time, up to 10 years. And they've all said the same thing. They, they really, really need support with emotional supports, how to actually come back from that diagnosis, how to to make their families resilient again after coming through the actual words been told to you that your child has cancer because childhood cancer does not just affect the child that has got sick it also affects the whole family from the siblings the parents the grandparents the aunts the uncles the cousins it's 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 a huge impact on the whole family yeah, it definitely touches a lot of lives across the country. I see here nationally an average of 353 children, adolescents and young adults aged up to 24 years are diagnosed with cancer each year in Ireland. That's a huge number. It is a huge number. While it is still very rare, it's not rare enough. Um, you know, so we all in, in each of our communities know somebody that has been touched by childhood cancer and International Childhood Cancer Awareness Day gives us a chance to shine a light on them families. And if it's only for two seconds to ask them how they're doing today, that's all you need to do. Reach out and say, hello, how are you doing today? That makes a huge impact. It breaks down that piece of isolation that they're feeling, um, you know, and it doesn't take very much for any of us to do that random act of kindness. I know you're a broker by a day, Laura. How did your daughter's diagnosis affect your work? So when my daughter um, was diagnosed, I, I'm a financial broker by trade. And yes, I had to step out of my business um, overnight and and just leave everything behind. Um, being self-employed, that, that took a massive hit on our family financially. Um, but also it takes a massive hit on you as a person because you now become from from being somebody that has worked for themselves, has has or even if you were employed, you know, you have your own identity. You now become the parent of somebody. So when you, when that goes on for a long period of time, you lose your identity, you you lose your self-confidence a little bit. And and these workshops are are all centered around taking that step forward, putting the pieces back together, understanding the experience and moving forward from the diagnosis. So we'll start off on the day um, with a reflection, but also on how we can put the pieces back together for us ourselves as parents, but also to recognise who we are in this in this new world where, where we find ourselves. And then it also gives us the confidence to move forward, to put the pieces back together for our children. It takes great resilience, though, because on top of uh, stepping back from the job, there's also the added financial burden of possible medical costs and also the emotional burden as well on the family and yourself. There is. Um, there's a huge financial burden. Um, the Irish Cancer Society recently did a survey um, and they have have estimated that it's around 15,000 per annum, not including including a loss of income is how much it's costing for a family that is going through a childhood cancer diagnosis. Um, and you have to remember that some families could be 
three plus years in in treatment for childhood cancer, depending on what their diagnosis is. So that takes a massive, massive impact on the financial. And, and when you have that financial stress, it also it also elevates every other stressor that's going on in your life, you know, and it, and it is so stressful when you have a child that's sick because you're battling for them. You don't need to battle with everything else. But every day you get up, it is a battle, whether it's a financial battle, whether it's your emotions, and then it's walking in through them hospital doors and trying to clear your head because you're also battling for your child's life. Talk to us now about the workshops that are taking place across the region. I know probably the closest to us here in Galway would be Sligo uh, for people based out of the West, but also there's one in Limerick as well. You have, uh, as well as yourself, Laura, there's Dr. Mairead uh, Brennan. She's a senior clinical psychologist in Cancer Care West there based out of Galway. But also uh, you have Debbie Cullinan as well from Mayo, a qualified child and adolescent psychotherapist, play therapist and former primary school teacher. Yes, so the the workshops, um, as I said, it's all about building emotional resilience for the family. So it's putting back them pieces after you've got a childhood cancer diagnosis. The workshops are open to any family that have received a diagnosis. It doesn't matter when your diagnosis happened. It's about helping to support you get back on your feet emotionally and building that resilience and self-confidence again for the family. So as I said earlier, we will do a piece on reflecting on, on where you've come from and then how we will actually move forward um, to strengthen strengthen yourself and then also uh, strengthen the family as a whole because when you get a childhood cancer diagnosis the whole family is fractured you 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 may have been a, a great circle going into it but it's very hard to be that circle coming out of it um, and these workshops are aimed at building the family back um, to that resilience and, and being able to be a family again because when you're when you're going through treatment mums and dads can spend long periods of time away from home and siblings can feel very isolated. They may be with granny and granddad or other family members or even friends and they're very afraid, but they don't want to vocalise their fear either. Um, So it's how do we build up them children as well, because they are severely impacted. As I said to you earlier in in the show, um, a childhood cancer diagnosis impacts the whole family, not just the child that's going through it. Just look at the workshops again, though. Uh, Dr. Mairead uh, Brennan, she's done great work here out of the Cancer Support Centre in Galway, particularly where she developed the child and uh, family service as well. Yes, um, Dr. Mairead Brennan is is a fantastic um, senior clinical psychologist in Cancer Care West, and she's been um, a massive support to Childhood Cancer Ireland in developing these workshops and in how, how we will navigate and help the families, um, particularly the parents, um, build that resilience after a diagnosis. Um, And also understand the fear and the anxiety that they are going through and that it's a a normalising that fear and anxiety, but also concentrating on their own relationships and how to build them back and make them stronger. So Marie is a key part to our workshop and, and, and she has been a fantastic support to many families affected by childhood cancer in the West of Ireland. Now, if people want to attend the parent workshops, I know the one in Sligo Park Hotel is taking place on the 11th of March. 
Yeah, so they can actually register via our website, which is childhoodcancer.ie. And in the services section, there is a piece there about the parent workshops. Um, it's a simple registration form. The workshops will be taking place from 9.30 until 4 p.m. on the 11th in the Sligo Park. And um, we look forward to welcoming anybody that would like to attend. Absolutely. I'm sure you will get great attendance at that as well. A very, very prudent and important uh, workshop as well. Uh, Laura Cullinan, just before I let you go, how is your daughter keeping? Isabella is doing really, really well. She's 10 years of age now and, and she's in um, she's in fourth class in St. Mary's in Strokestown. So I'm, I'm one of the lucky stories. She's she's come through the cancer battle twice and she's still here. So so we are we are really one of them good news stories. Well, God bless her to yourself, uh, Laura and Isabel as well. Uh, thank you uh, for joining us and, and both of you keep safe. That's uh, Laura Cullinan, the CEO of Childhood Cancer Ireland, joining us on the programme today. Now we're going to turn tact now and we're going to look at a survey which is underway to get the views of the public here on streetscapes and public realm in Galway City. I'm delighted to say I'm joined by Sinead Nifaharta to discuss this. Uh, Sinead, a very good morning to you. Good morning, how are you? Not too bad, no, not too bad, Sinead. Sinead, talk to us about this survey that's underway. It's all leading up to this event that's being held by the Business Committee of Galway Chamber and you're going to be chairing that. Yes, so um, I'm on the Council of the Chamber and the Chamber works very closely with Galway City Council and, of course, with the business people uh, uh, throughout the city. And we're looking at gaining knowledge and perspectives from our members on on the on the scape of the streetscape and how we as as business people can support and make uh, Galway City a more attractive place. To, uh, and this is really getting the feel. We've had a very strong positive re, um, uh, return uh, as of yet, and the, the closing date isn't finished yet. But it's really focusing on, you know, what is what do you what looks good in the city, where are the problems within your street, and uh, what if you can do something, what would you be able to do? What kind of questions are asked in the survey? Like, what kind of things are we looking at here? So we're looking at um, trying to rejuvenate. So we want to, I suppose, help affect change, amplify and work with on the work already being done by city, by the city council and the tidy towns committee and the business watch. So we're looking at what are the cons- you know concerns about the cleanliness of the city centre? So looking, have you litter problems on your street, graffiti, um, cleanliness of of the pavements, the over you know overgrown areas? How, is there you know outside of buildings? How are they maintained? How are they looked at? And give getting our members to evaluate where they are. Uh, these things are on their particular street, and then we're looking at how can we contribute. What should be done to improve this? Is it about rubbish collection? Is it about uh, lack of education, people's kind of laziness, just throwing things away? You know, um, do we need more bins? How do we change the attitude? What does need? What needs to be happening? And then we're looking at asking the business person: Is uh, can they help? And it's not that we want them or that they need to. They pay rates, so the council has work to do. But what can we do as good citizens and make and good business people to go and uh, above and beyond so that this, when people, new visitors or the citizens of Galway come in, that they have a 
a, a nice, attractive, clean city where they want to participate and come to visit. Mm-hmm. So we're looking as well as there is, um, the, as you mentioned, we have already a city council has the public realm strategy, which has plans. But we also want to look and see that um, can uh, our are business people willing to adapt a spot? So we have some corporates that would like to do something under their social responsibility. Uh, we've seen in other cities, they might have taken a, a waste space and maybe put in some um, some little sp- benches or do something that makes this place more inclusive and uh, usable for the citizens of the city and its visitors. Now, the open event happens on the 1st of March at the Goa Chamber Offices in Merchant Road. Uh, can people just walk That's in right. or do they need to register? They can register with the uh, with the Chamber and uh, the, the focus will be there is looking at the results, sharing that with the participants and then looking how do we move forward on that. Uh, what can we take from the results and how can we work with the City Council to uh, embrace what... Um, the positivity within the report and uh, work towards making Galway a cleaner and a nicer space to be in. Great stuff. Thank you for joining us in Galway Talks. Thank you. Galway Talks, in association with Tesco. Click and Collect allows you to collect your order whenever suits you. A very good morning to you. Welcome back into today's programme. We'll be hearing from Down Syndrome Ireland in a short while about an employment scheme they have to increase jobs for people with Down Syndrome in the Galway area. But first, we're joined by Patricia Hines for the Job Spot. Patricia, good morning to you. Very good morning to you, Darren. What do you got for me? Okay, lots this morning, Darren. And first up, we have a number of sales advisors and supervisory positions for a new retail store actually opening in Goy City in the next few days. Exciting opportunities are available with this particular company who were voted Retailer of the Year in 2022. And this company, as it happens, are also holding an open recruitment date tomorrow, the 16th and further information is available from our own site, jobsireland.ie. Now, also this morning, we are looking to recruit a marketing manager for an international food franchise based here in Galway. Applicants should have strong project management and execution skills, a retail or marketing background, and a proven track record to lead cross-functional teams. Now, this particular role will involve leading on the digital and other marketing project areas, and also developing and leading critical timelines for the timely delivery of all initiatives. Now, we have a number of meat processing operative roles available today for a meat production company based in Goy City. Duties will involve operating equipment to cool heat dry, sterilise, freeze foodstuffs and also packaging experience is not an, is an advantage but not essential and suitable accommodation and training will be provided if required. Now we're also looking for a cultural liaison and language support translator with a woolen market company here in the city. Now this particular job will involve serving as a liaison between tourist operators and shop managers. Translating documents such as informed of leaflets, brochures and orders and maintaining a comprehensive knowledge of all cultural aspects regarding Irish history and traditions as well as in culture and knitting practices. Now applicants should be fluent in both written and spoken English and indeed Spanish and have a minimum of two years experience in a translation or an interpretation role.
Now, also this morning, we have a vacancy for anybody interested out there for a finance officer with a credit union here in Galway City. Now, this job will involve preparation of monthly, quarterly and annual management and statutory accounts, preparation of bank reconciliations and journal entries and also maintaining the investment register. And applicants should be accounting technicians with two years industry or relevant experience and indeed this vacancy is suitable for blended or remote working. We also have a role out in Clarenbridge today for a graduate web developer and this particular job will include working across the full software development lifecycle from design right through to testing and deployment and applicants should have a bachelor's degree in computing science and experience of working with WordPress and also be fluent in English and indeed one other European language. And finally for call out this morning we are looking for crash teachers. We have a number of nationwide positions available and this particular company are seeking applications from applicants with a level 8 childcare qualification for creches based throughout Ireland. And applicants should have experience in childcare as well as a degree in early childhood education and at least two professional references. Now, as always, further information and indeed application for all our vacancies this morning can be accessed by logging on to jobsireland.ie or indeed if you are a company or an employer out there and you're currently recruiting or considering recruitment please do get in contact with us and we can support the recruitment of your vacancies at no cost again you'll find us on jobsireland.ie Thanks indeed. That's Patricia Hines joining us there on the programme there with your job spot. Still to come on the programme in the 11 o'clock hour, we'll be hearing from Down Syndrome Ireland. That's in relation to an employment scheme which aims to get more adults with Down Syndrome into paid jobs. And it's expanding across Gaul. We'll be joined by Aoife Gaffney in the next hour. She's the head of employment at Down Syndrome Ireland. As well as that, we'll be taking a look at uh, this new documentary on JFK's visit to Galway. There are participants sought to take part in that. It's marking the 60th anniversary since his trip over here to the West. Uh, so Pamela Finn will be speaking to us on that. As well as that, there's a bit of comedy. We'll be hearing from Billy McGrath. His show Gusto will come to the Town Hall studio this coming Friday. As well as that, then we'll be finishing up with a Galway art exhibition which celebrates LGBT plus community Mayor McGrath is coming into studio for that because all that plus lots, lots more still to come up on the programme. As well as that, a reminder, our Community Matters programme is uh, coming across Galway um, County and City over the next while. Our next stop after Headford now is Bohermore. We'll be coming to you there on Friday week, the 24th of February. So if you're about to get down to Bohermore on that day, we're still trying to hem in our location there. The technical team are getting down there just to shore that all up. But we'll announce that on on the programme very, very shortly, hopefully on tomorrow's show so we can get it to you before the weekend and you can make your way down and join in. Oh, what's looking to be a very good programme so far. Uh, we have a few nice locals lined up for that, so it should be a very exciting programme indeed. If you want to get in contact with us on the show today, you can do so, so through the, lo- uh, the the usual avenues. That's our text and WhatsApp number, our new number. It's 086 and that's brought to you by Rational Windows and Doors, bringing light and comfort into your home. Rational
www.cliffcentral.ie for more information on that. You can also email the show on comments at goabayfm.ie. You can also call Siobhan, who's on reception, on 091 770077, uh, I should say, and she will take down your notes as well. We're getting ready now for news and debt notices at the top of the hour. Join us after these. Galway Tones, in association with Tesco. Find our award-winning Irish ranges in store and online at tesco.ie. 